Hello, hello. Good evening. Hey, Farida. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Um, so I would like you to please start us off by introducing yourself. Um, obviously, share as much or as little as you like, you know, so basically like your name, like what you do for work, you know, a little bit about your background and things of that nature. Sure. So my name is Monisha Sebastian, and I'm a senior genetic counselor at Montefiore Medical Center. I'm originally from India with a um, background in genetic engineering, and I found genetic counseling, fell in love with the profession, and now I'm in this field specializing in pediatric genetics, cardiovascular genetics, and immunogenetics. And in addition to my clinical role, I also have leadership and research role. And I love talking to students and I love talking about my profession with anyone who's interested in learning more about it. Wow, that is amazing. Um, yeah, and I love that you added, you know, the leadership aspect of things as well. Um, really happy to delve more into that later. Um, so my next question is, what made you agree to spend this time here with me today? I mean, obviously, like, you know what this is about and, you know, mm -hmm. what we're trying to do here. But, like, kind of what kind of, like, like, drew you into this and made you be like, okay, yeah, you know what, I will, I will hop on this. Who can say no to Farida? <laughs> the sweetest person um but on a serious note you know first and foremost I um love the passion you have and the thought behind joining starting this initiative and I wanted to be a part of it and get the perspective of a genetic counselor out there and I see a lot of value in what you're doing and um, I appreciate having this opportunity. Wow. Now I'm like blushing and I can't stop. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, thank you so much for saying that. It, it really does mean a lot to me. I don't, I don't take it for granted. And I hope that I'm, I can continue to kind of keep up the momentum and the drive, mm -hmm. continue to, you know, push this forward. Um, so we're going to, change gears a little bit, you know, now we've done like a few intro things. So now we're going to go into the meat, the beef of like the whole, um, the gist of what's going on today. Mm -hmm. um, so Manisha, if you can please tell us like about your experience with providing care for people with genetic illnesses. And I know I did like, you did mention your background and like how you got into genetic counseling, but you mm -hmm. can kind of like, if you can expansiate a little bit of like, you know, what got you into the space and like your experience caring for people with genetic illnesses. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, like most people in genetic counseling, I wanted to become a doctor and things work a bit different back home where I'm from. And so I could not pursue medicine the way I wanted. So right. I decided to go with plan B, which was genetics and genetic engineering. The reason I got interested in genetics, this might be silly, but ever since, you know, as far as I can remember, anyone who sees me and my mom and my grandmother they always say that we are copies of each other. 
right. and <laughs> that's where genetics I think um, was fascinating to me the fact that we look alike we our voices are also very much alike and there are also several aspects of things we do that's very similar so that's how genetics got my attention and so I did genetic engineering thinking that well I can serve people from behind the scenes as a researcher and in order to identify the niche that I wanted to go into I did a lot of um, internships and conferences it was during one of those that I found out about genetic counseling which felt like a perfect marriage or bridge between what I, where I wanted to be, which is the clinical world, mm-hmm. our medicine, and my skill sets, which is research and engineering. And the moment I heard about it, I fell in love with it. And I spent two and a half years in restructuring my resume to fit what is required to get into a GC program. Mm. And I got into a program in New York and post-graduation, uh, I'm an international, so I wanted to be in a place where I will be serving a diverse population and mm. a location where I felt safe with people who know my culture, are more accepting of people from across the world. And of the offers that I got, Montefiore seemed to be the ideal fit for what I was looking for, where I had the opportunity of doing both research and clinical. And that's how I got into this uh, job or into what I'm doing right now. Mm-hmm. And right now, I majority of the population I work with are pediatrics and I love, love, love babies and kids. Um, so it's, it's very gratifying um, what I get to do in day-to-day life the being there for families, being there for individuals who are going through a difficult diagnosis or even something as simple as answering what's going on with them, I find is very gratifying. And so that's how I got into this profession and I still love doing what I do and it's never boring, I think, which is the biggest perk of being in this field. Oh my goodness, like I... I really enjoyed listening to every second of what you just said. Like I, that's why I was so quiet the whole time. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it just seems it is so inspiring. Like and like, I like the intentionality that you put behind it. Like I think that's what really got me. And like even when you said, you know, you spent two and a half years, you know, basically setting up your resume to be able to kind of get to where you are right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was like, oh wow, this is a woman on a mission. This is a woman that knows what she wants. Um, oh, thank you. So yeah, no, I really, I really, really do respect that um, a lot. And I really, and thank you so much for, you know, sharing that with me today. I really appreciate it. Um, So yeah, kind of moving on a little bit further. um, So what is the most important thing you want people to know about genetic diseases? Obviously, you've been doing this for a few years now. um, Mm -hmm. So kind of curious to know like what is the most important thing you want people to know about genetic diseases or genetic illnesses from like mm-hmm. a non-medical perspective obviously you have that science background um mm-hmm. 
kind of like you know speak on the science but I'm more curious to know like you know for like the layman on the street that mm-hmm. don't that much biology or mm-hmm. anything like that and they pretty much know you know biology 101 you know and mm-hmm. like it's kind of like your genetic makeup and all of those things um like what is the most important thing you want people to know about genetic diseases and how you know if someone is like diagnosed with a disease like how can mm-hmm. they manage that so I think when it comes to genetic conditions, all genetic conditions are unique and um, the management is different. But the most important thing I, I would like every patient who walks into my clinic or parent who walks into my clinic to know is that it is not their fault. Mm-hmm. What happens in their genes is beyond the control of the individual or the parents. Right. I, and I feel societies, um, probably not much in the US, but in other parts of the world, um, genetic conditions can be seen as a result of someone's sins or their wrongdoings or something that they did during the pregnancy mm-hmm. before they got pregnant or some of their actions as a punishment. But unfortunately, that's not the case. Right. Changes can happen in the genes at any time. When I say any time, I mean at birth or it can be something that's running in the family that was not someone was not aware of and then it starts presenting in certain generations Um, so the biggest message I would say is when you have someone in your life with a genetic condition treat them with compassion and know that it's not just them but the entire family who's going through that diagnosis when they're caring for that individual Mm. yeah that is very important to state. And the second thing I would say is knowledge is power. Um, But when it comes to genetic testing and pursuing any sort of genetic test, there are a lot of tests available these days at a very cheap um, cost without having to go to a professional. Um, When it comes to genetics, it's like opening a Pandora's box. Mm -hmm. It might seem as fun um, to you know, get to know your genes, but there are a lot of legal and implications that I feel someone going through the process should be aware of. So I would highly encourage having a conversation with a genetic counselor before you pursue any genetic testing. Right. That is very important to stay because I feel like with the introduction of like you know there's like twenty three and me and like mm-hmm. all the like a lot of people are just like very excited by you know the availability of like you know genetic testing and they're like oh i'm mm-hmm. just gonna go check um mm-hmm. and just find out all this information and they don't really think about kind of like the consequence of actually following through with those things um so yeah i think it's very important to obviously you know especially like in cases when you can um it's important mm-hmm. to seek professional um opinion because you know yep. Actually, well versed in these things that would know better than you know you do. Exactly. For sharing that. Yeah, and Freda, sorry to interrupt. Is it okay if I just plug in that if they want to find a genetic counselor, all that they need to do is go to Google and search National Society of Genetic Counselors (NSGC), and you will have the option to find a genetic counselor in your area using that. 
thanks for adding that like that is very very important thank you so much for it and yes please girl what whenever you feel like plugging anything in please feel free thank you um, yeah feel very free um so moving on um so i wanted to ask i feel like this one is slightly more like you know just like a preference based question so mm -hmm. in your experience you know as like with a couple of years in like generic genetic counseling um, what it, what would you say has been the hardest illness that you've had to deal with? I feel like that's. I think. Mm -hmm. I think it, it's not the condition; it's more so having that conversation with a family, right? Because there are some genetic conditions where, if you diagnose them, there is some sort of a management, and something can be done. But there are also majority of the time that I can genetic conditions. There's not much you can do to change what's right. happening with the child. You're pretty much saying, oh, we found an answer as to what's happening with your child, but these are the doctors you need to meet with, but we're not gonna cure them. Right. I do, yeah, so I do hope in a few years that would change. I think the hardest, um, I would say, I, I, in my specialty clinic, cardiovascular genetics, mm -hmm. I see families who are referred after a sudden cardiac death in their loved ones. Right. So every time, I meet with these families, them re-encountering what happened to their loved one. There are instances where I've had kids who were the first ones who found their parents dead. Or, oh. yeah, so reliving, watching these families relive those memories is hard and it's emotional. Um, one patient story that really made an impact um, was this four-year-old boy who was referred for a neuromuscular disease. And post uh, testing, we identified uh, the genetic cause. And the patient has a condition that has been reported in only about 6,000 individuals in the world. I'm right. not gonna go into the details of it, right. but while um, discussing the results, so there's also limited in information about this condition um, with respect to their prognosis and lifespan. And the specific change that was seen in our patient has not been reported in the medical literature before. So there was no reference for me to give the families as to what they can expect, but just in general about the condition was all that was available. After, um, before I went into this session, this kid, he um, has a lot of uh, muscle wasting as well as skeletal and bone issues. Mm -hmm. When we met the family for returning the results, he ran up to me, gave me a hug and told me that he's the strongest boy in the world. Oh it was a lovely, I know, right? And we decided he's very smart. Although he has this condition that's affecting him physically, he's mentally very, very smart. So we right. decided it's best for him to not be in the room while we have this discussion with his mother. Right. Um, so he went away with his, uh, he went, he was taken by his grandmother to a different room. And I had this detailed conversation with the mother. Mm -hmm. Towards the end of the discussion, the mom just looked me in the eye and she asked me, Monisha, just tell me how many months or years I have with my son. Hmm. That's all I want to know. If you tell me he has only a year, I'm stopping all that he's doing and I'm going to make sure that he lives his life to the fullest, the little that he has. Right. And that in the 
session, of course, we are trained to compartmentalize and remove our emotions and be there for the patient. So right. it didn't hit me at that time, but when I went back to my office and I started writing the notes of the visit, it mm -hmm. all came hitting. Right. And it wasn't just me, it was also others in the room who were impacted by this session. They were emotionally affected by this session where everyone felt bad about how lovely this family is and we were giving such an awful diagnosis to them where we had to tell them we don't know how long your child has. The typical, the average age that's reported is two years. He's definitely living past that, but we don't know what's gonna happen in the future. Right. Yeah. And yeah, and through that clinic, uh, through that um, patient, I met this wonderful immunologist um, Dr. Rachel Eisenberg, and she expressed interest in starting a combined clinic, an immunogenetics clinic. And mm -hmm. thanks to her and to my boss, Dr. Wasserstein and Dr. Marion, they, the moment we expressed this interest, there was no objection. The team was very much on board in starting this new clinic. And now we are two and a half years into this clinic where we are seeing a lot of unique patients with different conditions, immuno, immunology conditions coming, walking through the clinic. And it just comes to show how many different patients we, you know, we get to see how many unique conditions are there. And every single day we are learning about every condition. It's never ending process. There's always something new that we keep learning. And I always think of this patient when I, I take a lot of pride in my immunogenetics clinic, and I think this clinic started because of this patient and the impact they had on the entire team. Right. Wow, that is like you. Thank you so much for saying that because you actually gave me like obviously we work in the same place, but um you definitely gave me like some background on information I actually didn't even know slash think about. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you so much for that. And it's just, wow, like I can't imagine what, you know, you and like the rest of the team went went through with like that boy's, you know, experience and like just what his family had to go through and mm -hmm. everything. It's it's hard, like honestly, like I there, I feel like there's no other word to kind of qualify it. It's, it's just, it's difficult to do. Yeah. Um, but I'm sure like, you know, it, it, I feel like it might get better with time, but I, I don't even know, but. That's, you know, that's the hope. I hope there are more researchers out there willing to work on rare disorders, find a cure, gene therapy, whatever yeah. it takes. Mm -hmm. And the thing about rare diseases, like, I mean, obviously like in the US, like rare diseases are like diseases that pretty much affect fewer than like 200,000 people, but there's like over what, like 7,000 rare diseases. And I'm like, that's actually, mm -hmm number of like rare diseases that people are like you know living with and like mm -hmm. don't even know what disease they have for instance and like obviously because like there's because they're so rare I feel like not a lot of spotlight is like kind of like placed on this um diseases as well so definitely yeah. there's not more to be done mm -hmm. to be done in terms of like doing research creating awareness and just like mm -hmm. things for sure 
Exactly. So, so in the interest of time, um, I'm going to ask you just a few more questions. I think we literally just have like two more questions. Um, so um, do you think that there's, um, so you actually didn't really, well, the way you answered that question kind of like, I have to rephrase my next question pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> But um, I would, I mean, my, cause my next question is kind of like a follow-up to like the, like this, the original, like the previous one I just asked you, but mm -hmm. because you didn't actually give us like an actual illness, um, you said it was more like, you know, having to kind of relay information to families and like them going through that experience obviously mm -hmm. is like, um, is the hard part about the whole experience. Mm -hmm. so, my next question was actually like, do you think that there's enough awareness about, you know, disease? But since you didn't mention disease, I guess the next question can pretty much be like, do you think that there's enough awareness about, you know, I guess rare disease in general, which mm -hmm. we alluded to, I guess. Um, so, you know, like, and what, and what would you say, like, what things do you think can be done in terms of, I think we can actually agree that there is really not enough awareness, but the question yep. really is like, um, what more do you think that like, from like, uh, like, from like, it's just like, in terms of, I guess, in terms of like clinical care, in terms of like people, random people on the street, just like the general mm -hmm. thing, like, what more do you think can be done in society as a whole um, to mm -hmm. kind of increase awareness about different genetic illnesses? You know, given the number of conditions that are there, I think that's going to be a bit hard to create a lot of awareness. But in this day and age of social media, and I wish there are more content creators that can spend or shed light on conditions, on the genetic conditions. Honestly. Uh, Exactly. Similar to what you're doing right now. I, and that's something that really impressed me that you are taking this initiative. And I do see a few genetic counselors who are getting into the world of social media mm -hmm. and they are creating more awareness of conditions than where they were before. And the fact that this information is brought by professionals who know about the condition or the background of this condition I feel there's also reliable information that's being put out right. by these that professionals. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think it, it, it was hard in the beginning, but given where, how small the world has become thanks to social media, mm -hmm. I feel there's gonna be more of awareness being created about these conditions moving yeah. forward. Yeah, no, I can't, I can't like overstate what you just said. Honestly, like it's, yeah, I think with social media, like a lot of like, you know, doctors, like healthcare workers mm -hmm. are definitely getting to the social media space and like mm -hmm. you platforms to kind of create more awareness. Um, I do know that like, but I mean, obviously people have like their different, like their niches and like, mm -hmm. like just like what they particularly focus on. And so like, you know, I definitely don't think there's enough people focusing on like, you know, different like rare diseases. So, you know, yeah. more. but I've actually been researching some like podcasts about mm -hmm. like, like rearing. And mm -hmm. I think one or two other ones I came across when I was like kind of trying to like find out, oh, like in the rare disease space, like what, um, what more podcasts, like how, like 
what other avenues do people have to kind of learn more information and obviously there's like google as well you know mm. where people actually like you know find out information but the thing mm-hmm. with google is like it's not everything on google that like you like sometimes you have to take things on google with a grain of salt so like oh, so totally it's, like, that's what, it's really important for like you know actual trained professionals to, you know mm. advice so that people can actually separate what is like good concrete information from what is just like i don't know like nonsense on the internet really yeah yeah those things are very important too exactly i feel anything on google it winds down to you're gonna die so i always tell my patients be careful about (laughs) be careful about what you read on google because not all information like you mentioned uh is accurate if someone wants to read about genetic conditions, I would highly suggest Gene Reviews. That's a great resource that we use to learn about genetic conditions. Mm. Okay, thank you so much for adding that. That is, you know, mm-hmm. very, very important, you know, for people to know where to, because I know that like, you know, where you get your information is very, very important stuff. So thank yeah. you, thank you, thank you so much, Manisha. So my last, were you going to add something? Oh, no. I thought I was. Um, so my last, my final question is pretty much, you know, is there anything else you would love to share with me today in terms of like, um, you know, maybe in terms of awareness, in terms of like your experience in genetic counseling or just like, you know, I don't know, life in general. So is there any like concrete like thing that you like want to add just to kind of close us off or like any piece of advice you want to give people who, you know, maybe have loved ones who just got diagnosed with something or, you know, yeah, basically someone who just got diagnosed or someone who knows someone who like, how would you like, what piece of advice would you give them or like anything else you would like to share? Like, honestly, this is like an open, very Mm -hmm. open, broad um, question. Just like finding out what if, what if anything you wanted to add? For Thank you for giving me that opportunity, Farida. I think for anyone who has a loved one who's been diagnosed with a genetic condition or themselves, I want you to know that you're doing your best. You are doing a wonderful job by being there with the person and walking with them through this diagnosis and helping them reach or get all the care that they can. And when it comes to genetic conditions, There is a lot of help right now in the world. There are a lot of, I think, the best professionals you can reach out to. This is biased because I'm in the field. Our genetic counselors, you can easily find us. There are a lot of us and we love to help as much as we can. That's a general trend that I've seen within the profession, which is why I got into this profession. Um, So you're not alone. And your journey and what you're going through, I don't think anyone can understand completely, but you have professionals who have been trained to help you. Ask for help, reach out, you're not alone and I want you to remember that. Um, And if you are trying to find a genetic counselor, as I mentioned earlier, look us up on National Society of Genetic Counselors, nsgc.org, and you will be able to find a genetic counselor wherever you are, easily. 
Okay, thank you, thank you, thank you so much, Manisha. It was really, really lovely sitting down with you today and just like hearing your thoughts and your inspiration for everything that you do. I mean, I've always known that you were amazing, but now it's like, oh my God. <laughs> you so, are so kind. Thank you so much. No, I really appreciate you taking out the time to sit with me here today and just, you know, learn more about, you know, different illnesses and how just that affects people both like in the field and outside of, you know, generic, generic counseling space. And I wish you the best, Farida. Please continue doing this. And I cannot wait to see the millions of lives that you are going to touch. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for saying that. I, pre I really appreciate it.